So for the past few weeks, um, we've been talking about decision-making and how Scripture and, of course, Jesus Christ should be impacting how we make our decisions and the decisions we make. Last week, we talked about decision-making with not having ourselves in mind, but having the other person in mind. And in a sense, many of us are doing that right now by deciding to wear masks. And for those who are able to wear a mask, you are choosing to wear a mask for the protection of the other. Well, today's message will not be too different from last week's, since the decisions that we make are based on love. When we make decisions, they are our response to God's love to Jesus and to us. And as Sylvia mentioned, being the flower, others will see that love and be attracted to that love, which is the love of God as well. So as we read this passage in a moment this morning, um, it's from John 15, 9 through 17. And uh, just take note of the repeating words in this passage. The words remain, the word love, the word command. All those three words are mentioned several times. So before we read from John 15, let's uh, go to God in prayer. Father God, we thank you for your love, for your Son, and for your people. You loved us so much that you gave your Son as a sacrifice for the sins of your people. And as we again read about your love and how we can respond in love with our actions and our thoughts and our decisions and our lives, we ask that you bless the reading this morning and the message that follows. And each of our listening and the responses that follow. And it's only in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So John 15, 9 through 17 is our reading. And Jesus is saying, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have always kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that you may have joy, and the joy may be in you, and your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay uh, one's life down for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you may go out and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. From time to time, um, pastors will hear comments from people that the preaching sometimes includes too much love. And I understand where that might come from. I get it. But I think when it comes to love, we all have a lack of understanding, perhaps, of what love is. The 80s group, uh, Foreigner, saying, I want to know what love is. Decades before that, the Beatles uh, thought that they knew what love was when they sang, All You Need Is Love. Centuries before this, the Greek-Roman culture also talked about love. And actually, they had three kinds of love that they would refer to. One was brotherly love, another was sexual love, and the third was deep, unconditional love. And Scripture refers to this deep, 
unconditional love many times. And it's this latter love that is what is referred to in John 15. And it's referred to as a, what's called agape love. So to help us to better understand love, we'll be talking about those three repeating words that were already mentioned. Agape love, what it means to remain in this love, and what does it mean to have been commanded to love? Verse 9, we read this, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Verse 12, My command is this, Love each other as I have loved you. Again, we hear those three words. If you are reading the Scriptures without agape love as one of the foundational principles, then you are probably reading the Scriptures incorrectly. Because God has given us the Scriptures out of His love. He has given us the law out of His love. He has given us the opportunity to make decisions based on His good will out of love. And every time we read the Scriptures, obey the laws, make decisions... One of the founding, foundational principles is love. We are to be obedient and follow God's will because of His love. His love was, that was passed down to His Son and then passed on to the followers of Jesus. This love, this agape love, has no strings attached. It's unconditional love. Agape love is not describing a feeling. Agape love is an action. And this action is a promise that is weaved throughout all of the Scriptures. Because God says, I am your God, you are my people. Our worship services are based on that promise. Our Father God calls us to worship Him because He is our God. We are His people. In baptism, we are reminded over and over again that God is our God. We are His people. And with infant baptism, this is so beautiful because the child doesn't even understand this and the promise is still available. The sacrament of the Lord's Supper, we hear the words, these are the gifts of God for the people of God, the body of Christ, the blood of Christ. I am your God, you are my people. Loved deeply by God. So I don't think any of us can disagree that the statement the statement of that agape love is one of the foundational principles in the Scriptures. According to 1 Corinthians 13, where Sylvia read this morning in the children's message too, she brought up what is love. But in there it also says, if, if we do not have love, we're just like a bonging symbol. Or it even goes as far as to say that we're nothing. Without love, we're nothing. So if the Scriptures has as a foundational principle agape love, then preaching, of course, better include love, right? Preach the gospel. The gospel message of salvation is based on God's love. This deep, unconditional, grace-filled love. Agape love. So Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Sounds rather simple, right? Well, let's go on to the next word. What does it then mean when Jesus says remain in this love? We're going to look at verses 9 and 10 again. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. Now remain can be synonymous to abide, dwell, live. 
Remain in my love means to be immersed, surrounded in a close, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And remain is also an active verb. And you know what? It puts the responsibility actually on the people as well. Earlier in chapter 15, we didn't read that this morning, but it establishes that Jesus is the true vine. And He is the source of everything. And so Jesus initiates a relationship with His people, with us. But as His people, remember, I'm your God, you are my people, we are called to respond. And in this passage, we are called to respond, or as it said, to remain. To remain in Jesus means to remain in His Word and live in His Word. It means to, as we heard in this passage, John 15, it means to love one another as Jesus has loved us. So Jesus says, remain in Me. Remain in His love. Learn from His love. Understand what His love has done for each of us. And then, respond. And love one another as Jesus loves us. People, this love will take time for us to learn. But we must learn. We must be intentional about it. Sylvia was giving us some examples in the children's message. How do we be patient? How do we show kindness? It, takes, it does take learning. And that's why in verse 16 we read, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. What this means is that when we remain in Jesus, we're so close to Him. We are so close to knowing Him, to loving Him, and we will understand His will. And so when we ask of things of Jesus, we will not be asking out of our own benefit, but we will be asking for the benefit of the other And we will understand God's good and perfect will. And we'll then receive what we will ask. It is an agape relationship with the Lord. A relationship that has initiated with Jesus. And from that relationship, we will remain in his love. And we will learn to love one another. So basically, Scripture would say that there is never a reason not to love someone. In fact, doesn't Jesus say in Matthew 5, 44, Sermon on the Mount, love your enemies. We are called to love. Now, of course, there's going to be reasons to not like people's behavior or even sometimes not wanting to be around a person. Love does not mean you agree. Love does not mean that it's safe to be around another person. Agape love does does not mean that you have to approve the actions of the person because God doesn't approve our actions when we sin, but He still loves us. So there's no reason not to love. Love means that we will do our best to love as God loves us. And you know what? We can't do it on our own. Love one another means that we need to remain in His love. And allow God's Spirit to be at work in us. And that's why we can talk about love being a command. In verse 12, Jesus gives his people a command Love each other as I've loved you. Did you notice that he put a reason behind the command? 
love each other as I have loved you. I am your God. You are my people. And Jesus loves his people. Jesus came to serve his people. Jesus came to give his life up for his people. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus is your God. You are his people, his sons, his daughters. But then can love be commanded? When we're given a command by God to obey, it has nothing to do with power. It has everything to do with love. And this love is tied to the commandments. We have been given commands by God, and ultimately the commands fall under two main categories, right? Love God, love one another. Now the thing about commands is that commands are typically commanded of you. But you still have the choice to determine how you're going to respond to a command. Obedience or disobedience. An 80-kilometer speed limit is not a suggestion. It is a command to not go over 80 kilometers in that zone. And sometimes I've heard of people going slightly over the speed limit. I've actually seen it on my own speedometer (laughs) from time to time. Maybe the speedometer was broken. I'm not sure. Suggestions are optional. Commands are required. They are rules, they're regulations, they're laws. And yet, we have the choice to decide how are we going to respond? What's our decision going to be? Obedience or disobedience? How are you going to decide to follow the commands of Jesus Christ? Love God. Love one another. What's your decision? Now, keeping this command of love also ties into remaining in God's love. When we remain in the love of Jesus, then it's not difficult to follow the commands. Because we're given these commands out of love by God through his Son. We receive them in love. We extend love back to God and and others. And let's read verses 9 and 10 again. Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so, I, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Because Jesus loves us, we remain in his love. If we keep the commands, we will remain in his love. Now, earlier we said that love is not conditional. But this statement here sounds rather Conditional. The gospel is good news. And what makes it good news is the love and the grace. The agape love, the amazing grace that we sang about. And this love and grace, it's free, it's unconditional. But this if statement here in the scriptures is being spoken. So we got to ask ourselves, well, that sounds pretty conditional. But this if statement is being spoken to those who already been grafted into the true vine. So Jesus is a true vine, and he has called his people, he's chosen his people, he's appointed his people, they've been grafted into the vine. So this if statement is made to believers. If you love God, which you do, you will be obedient, which you are. And guess what? We will sometimes go over 80 in that zone, or we will be disobedient, we will fall short. And guess what? You will be extended 
continued grace and love and forgiveness because you are a believer and you are loved by God, which then you will continue to love. So it's not really a conditional statement. It's not an if and then. In fact, as a believer, this statement, this response becomes somewhat like cyclical. Loving and living out the commands are tied so closely together. God's love ultimately comes first. Then we obey the commands on account of his love. That's how we're going to respond. And then our love remains and increases and it it just kind of keeps on going. This is not what came first, the chicken or the egg dilemma. What always proceeds is God's love. And our response to keep, keeping his commandment flows from that love. And it ultimately creates more love. And so we're going to strive to keep the command. And people, as mentioned, when we fail, we will learn more. We will learn more and more about God's unconditional and gracious love and know what it means to extend that same grace and love to others. Now in the book of Romans, Paul does say at one point, he says, don't keep failing so that grace abounds. No, that's not how it works. But a person who loves, they don't need the commandment. Do not steal, do not covet, do not hate. Because out of love for one another, you will not steal, you will not covet, you will not hate. So when Jesus commands us to love, again, he's not referring to to feelings or emotions. He's referring to a way of life. Agape, love, it means service and action and self-sacrifice. Remain in love is an active verb. The command is an opportunity to respond in obedience. As we read Colossians 3, 12-14, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. We're going to be talking about more about forgiveness, uh, I think, next week and the upcoming weeks. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Love is a command. It's not an obligation. It's a response. A response to a command of love that's on account of a promise and a commitment from God. And as we read the Scriptures we'll hear that Jesus loved fishermen. He loved dirty, fish, dirty shepherds, sex workers, tax collectors, lepers, other sick people, people with dirty feet, betrayers. Jesus loved his enemies. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves you. Agape love. Remain in his love. Command to love. And so how will you decide to respond to that command. Well, let's look at verse 13. Jesus says, Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus defines what great love is. Laying down one's life. Meaning that love is something that will benefit the other person. It will not necessarily benefit you. Love is not 
first about fulfilling your own needs. Love is first about fulfilling the needs of others. This chapter here, John 15, it nears the end of Jesus' life on earth. In verse 13, Jesus knows that he will be laying down his life for his friends. And the laying down of his life is Jesus being obedient to his Father. And his Father loves Jesus. And so Jesus will follow his Father's will and love for his followers. You see, love has costs. Agape love is love in action. And it has a price to pay. There is a cost to loving. Love has no conditions, but it does have costs. A condition means that you love in expectation of receiving something in return. A cost means that you love with the expectation of giving something up. And perhaps we have to give up our pride. Perhaps we have to give up our possessions. Perhaps we have to give up our life. As we near the end of the passage, Jesus talks about bearing fruit. And again, this all ties in to remaining in Jesus and and love and deciding to follow his commands. Love is the fruit that is produced in our relationships. So we're called to bear fruit. Our eternal life matters to Jesus. But our life on this earth matters to Jesus as well. How we live our life, the fruit that we bear, our relationship today with Jesus matters. Our relationship with one another today matters. Yes, it it does matter for tomorrow. It does matter for the future. But also for today. In this season of life, we are getting much bad news often with COVID-19 and and then other things going on in our lives, not just COVID-19. But John 15 gives us good news because it is the gospel message of love. And everything we do, say, think, everything we decide is based on the love that God has given to us. A love so strong by God that he gave his one and only son And he calls us to that same love. When we serve, when we offer our financial gifts, when we teach, when we lead worship, when we reach out, when we share, we don't do that because we're obligated and somebody's got to do it. I mean, the church needs help all the time. They need the volunteers. They need money all the time. And No, we do it because we are made a decision. We have made a decision to follow Jesus and to respond to Jesus, respond to his love by loving him and obeying his command to love one another. Love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. We love with everything we have, not just emotions, but our thoughts, our actions, our service. And God calls us to love one another with that same agape love that he is expressing to each of us because everything else flows from there and so love is all we need the Beatles were right I guess but more so scriptures right we are chosen to be loved by Jesus and we are chosen to respond
to love back. We are commanded to love one another. And so let that fruit be visible to others in the name of Jesus and to glory of God. And together we say, Amen. Let's pray. God, you continue to show your love to us through your Son, Jesus Christ. You've chosen us to be your children and through the power of your Holy Spirit, turn our hearts to you so that we will bear the fruits of love. Continue to work in our hearts and minds, transforming us more and more into your likeness and help us to love you for all that you've done for us and to love one another for all that you've done for us. And Lord, may that love be shown as we continue to be the church that you call us to. We thank you, Lord, for the selection of new office bearers in our midst. We thank you for those who have allowed their names to stand for nomination, and, and thank you for those selected. And bless these new leaders, for, for Jennifer and Leo and Tony and Kevin and Dan and Bert. And bless others who volunteer their time and gifts in other ways for the church. We thank you for your church here at Exeter and for the many churches here in this community and in this world, as together we strive to bring your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we thank you for the milestones in people's lives and for the many blessings that you give to us in, in various ways and different contexts. And Lord, we also hurt because there are family and friends and members who have turned from you or who do not yet know you. Lord, you know each of these people by name and we pray that you will work in your people and use us to bring others into a relationship with you. We ask that you use us to be a witness of your love and your grace. Bless our communities and the schools, especially with changes that are coming up for the fall. Bless the businesses and the government agencies and the churches. And may we be examples of your grace and love in our communities. We lift up the needs of this world and where there is disease, bring education and health. Particularly, we pray for a removal of COVID-19 and other illnesses that are plaguing your people. And where there is war, we ask that you bring peace. Where there is persecution, bring your grace and endurance and soften those who have hard hearts. And where there is poverty and hunger, help us to share the plentiful that we have. Where there is racial strife, bring respect and equality among all people. We pray too for acts of terrorism that occur around the world. And may people and parties bend their knees to you, Lord. Lord God, we bring before you our congregational needs. And Lord, we all need a continued supply of your abounding grace. And Lord, among your people there is loneliness and sadness and depression and disease. And there are hurts and angers and judgments and unforgiveness and friction and hard hearts. And Lord, we lift up this brokenness to you. And through the amazing power of your Holy Spirit, work in each of our hearts and our minds and our bodies to remove what needs to be removed, to heal what needs to be healed, to forgive what needs to be forgiven, and to comfort those who need to be comforted. We pray for those among us who are struggling with various forms of mental illness or physical illness. Lord, we pray for your grace and strength in their lives and the lives of their family members. Provide them a measure of hope. We ask for your care over the unborn children and the expectant mothers. And we lift up the needs of the children and youth. We pray for young adults and young couples and those who are single. We pray for parents. We pray for grandparents and seniors as they too often suffer with struggles, whether it's physical or spiritual. We ask for your grace in each of our lives and each of our circumstances. Make yourself known wherever we are. Lord, we bless you and we praise you. And above all, we thank you for freedom in Christ and the cost that you paid for all our sins on account of your amazing love and grace. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.